G'day, Troy Dane from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode 71 of the WP Elevation podcast. If you're listening to this podcast and you never watch it, I reckon you should visit the blog this this week and watch it because we have a whole new studio set up, a whole new video intro set up. I'm not just standing in front of my computer, I'm actually sitting here in front of a WP Elevation and a video user manuals banner introducing the episode. So get on over to the website and take a look at our new funky setup. Hey, this week's feature guest is Garth Coyle from Event Espresso who wants to grow his company to a $100 million revenue company. That is the biggest goal I've ever had anyone announce on the WP Elevation podcast. So I'm really looking forward to bringing Garth to you and sharing all of his uh, knowledge and experience and advice on how they have built Event Espresso so far. It's a great episode. Uh, he's also giving away $600 worth of Event Espresso plugin and extensions and add-ons. So stay tuned for how you can enter that competition a little bit later on. Stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. This week's episode of the WP Elevation Podcast is brought to you by WP Migrate DB Pro. Uh, what it does is it allows you to migrate your WordPress database from one site to another. It is from Brad Tauernard, now good friends over at deliciousbrains.com. They're sponsoring the podcast for a month. But instead of me flapping my gums about it, or instead of Brad telling you about it, why don't we go and hear from Curtis McHale, who uses it as part of his daily workflow. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased to have with me all the way from Canada, Curtis Gregory McHale. Hey, Curtis, how you doing? <laughs> I'm great. I shouldn't have told you my middle name, but yeah. <laughs> excellent. Um, so, uh, why are we here? That's right. We're here because we're talking about WP Migrate DB Pro, the awesome plugin from Delicious Brains, Brad Tauernard, and our friends at Delicious Brains. Uh, they are sponsoring the podcast for a month, so I thought it would be interesting to talk to some customers about WP Migrate DB Pro instead of doing kind of a scripted ad spot, so to speak. So, first of all, um, why don't you tell us? As a WordPress developer and part of your workflow, why database, why database syncing and migration is even important? Like, why does it matter at all? Uh, it matters at all because as much as you even try to like move around and set up things locally, like your client, you're always going to miss something, and there's all quite often even going to be something that they did slightly different than you did, and then it can even create a bug, and so you're continually trying to track something down that you really don't even have a method. Like, you don't have the same data to track it down, so. It is a futile endeavor to try. So the kind of the myth is like, I remember when I started out, I would just install the same theme and the same plug plugins on like a, a local dev. And then I would wonder when I uploaded the new plugins or the new page template or the new custom post type that I'd written when I pushed that to the live site, why, why would it break? And because that's yeah. because the live site has new data on it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's another good reason. Or you'd get a client that doesn't know they can use a page in the menu or in the appearance settings for menus, and they just create a custom link in there, and you're like, why isn't this highlighting? Like, it should with the normal WordPress menus, because WordPress doesn't understand that like, it's a custom link as opposed to a page, so it doesn't do all its fancy classes on the menu. And then you have to dig around in the appearance settings to figure that out, and of course it's hard, because they renamed it something, and just wasted so much time. Yeah, and you end up going down a rabbit hole, don't you? And, you know, while everyone else is going for beers on a Friday night, you're still debugging some client's website. <laughs> mm -hmm. I have way better things to do with my time than debugging like that, for useless things like that anyway. Yeah, yeah. So um, before you discovered WP Migrate DB Pro, uh, what were you doing? Like, how were you solving this problem? I'm trying to think because I've bought it like the first day it came out and was using it a little bit in beta even before, so... 
I think I probably use the plugin search and replace. Oh, and then I'd use the, uh, there's some constants you can set WP config to switch the URL around, and I just would call that good. Um, but it's not necessarily good. It's not, it gets enough for, I guess, local development. It doesn't get enough when you're trying to push to live site, which I did a few times, and then realized images weren't linking properly, and it just didn't work. Did not make me look awesome. Made me look like a dork. Yeah. And the whole um, search and replace in PHP, my admin, like doing it manually, that can just take forever, can't it? Oh, yeah, I had like a, I think I had a SQL query script that got a lot of stuff, but I don't, I'm trying to remember, I don't think it got the serialized, like the special data that widgets are saved like and how your plugin settings are saved and other stuff, just didn't even get it. So I'd realized later that I had messed that up. And so just for those that don't understand serialized, because this was something that, this was, a, this was what caught me as well. This was a big trap that I fell into is that just replacing a URL will replace the URL, but serialized data means that the database is expecting a string that is yay long, yeah? And mm -hmm. for those who aren't watching, who are just listening, I'm, I'm holding my fingers a certain width apart. Uh, the, the, the database is expecting a URL which is, you know, yay long. And when you change the URL, you also need to tell the database that it is no longer 25 characters, it's now 33 characters. Otherwise, the database yeah. kind of freaks out a bit. Yeah, and that's in this big, long array that sort of maybe makes sense if you're actually reading it in the MySQL. But only once you've been doing it a really long time, and even I've been doing this for like six years, and it's not worth my time to try and read through yeah. those 90% of the time. Exactly, and that's the, the nugget there. It's not worth your time. So uh, how did you discover WP Migrate DB Pro? So you're from Canada, right? So you just know Brad from the local scene? Uh, well, when we say local, I might <laughs> even be closer to you. Brad's five. no. Brad's uh, probably 10,000 kilometers away almost for me. Oh, wow. We're on opposite coasts. So right. I know Brad through, he used to live out uh, with me in, or not with me, but like on the same end of the country, but we never met each other then. I don't remember how we first got introduced, but it's been a while now. And he, I believe he showed me WP App Store, which his first product was, or I got connected with him when I saw that. And then as Migrate DB Pro came out, he shot me an email just to say, hey, would you be interested in this? And I looked at it and said, absolutely. And I bought it day one. Like no questions asked, and what's the what's the biggest benefit for you in using WP Migrate DB Pro? Oh, it's just so fast. Like there's so many steps in in migrating it manually, like getting your images down, all these other things. Because Migrate DB Pro does pull all your images at the same time, and it's just simply not not worth it for me to just like I'll now I'll start up a new site and I'll put it off on a, my third monitor and start migrating and just let it work for whatever it's gonna to manage it and it runs and it pauses well so I can like pause if I have to leave the office and go home and let it start it back up and finish it off close my laptop and everything and there's no problems whatsoever um, and also I've done it for a few clients who want to be able to mess around on things locally and set them up with their own virtual machine that already has all the migration profiles installed so they can just hit migrate and they get like a brand new copy of the live site to mess up however they want um, without without hurting our staging environment, which we're using for e-commerce testing, and without hurting the live site, which is worse, much worse. But. Nice. Now, see, there you go. I never thought about setting this up for a client so they can mess around locally in their own little sandbox. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea. Yeah. Built a full vagrant box, like a full virtual machine with automatically imported database with initial content and all the migration profiles in that initial content. And so they just have to sync and update based off the last time I pulled it, which was usually about a month it would get out. Sweet. There you go. That's a nice little value add, nice little service you can add for your customer. Mm -hmm. Cool. Hey, um, well, 
I reckon that's a pretty good case for it. Uh, for those that don't know, you can have a look at WP Migrate DB Pro at deliciousbrains.com, which is Brad's site. Go check it out. There's a picture of all the birds flying east, which is very cute and clever. Took me ages to figure <laughs> out what the hell the picture of the birds was about. But of course, they're migrating. Um, oh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> there you go. I know. It's, I know. I just realized it the other day. I'm like, oh, that's why the birds are there, because they're migrating. Right. Cool. <laughs> So you can check it out at uh, deliciousbrains.com. And hey, Curtis, you're going to be actually on the podcast soon, uh, WP Elevation. I think we're recording an interview next week sometime. Is that right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the 5th. Yeah, yeah. sweet. Awesome, man. Looking forward to that. And uh, thanks again. And I know Brad really appreciate it. Thanks, appreciates it. Thanks for talking to us about your experience with the WP Migrate DB Pro. You're most welcome. It's an excellent plugin. Cheers. Garth Coyle is co-founder of Event Espresso. Uh, he didn't actually work in the business for the first few years they were running. He joined kind of full-time in 2012. He was off getting a Master's of Business Administration and a Master's of Healthcare Administration from the University of Utah. Uh, he left there in 2011, joined Event Espresso in 2012, has helped them since grow their team to I think 12 they are now. They are a distributed workforce. Um, they have just launched a hosted SaaS version of Event Espresso on WordPress. It's called Event Smart, and Garth has ambitions to scale the Event Smart company to a $100 million revenue business. I've never heard anyone on this podcast have such an ambitious goal, and I did ask Garth uh, if his formal training allowed him to think big. He's really thinking beyond the WordPress ecosystem, and uh, it's really great to see an entrepreneur with such ambition and such goals. And we speak a lot about how he's built the team and some of the frustrations that he's got and some of the things that he's learnt along the way. So there's lots of gold in here. If you're in the WordPress space, uh, put your feet up, make yourself a cuppa for the next 45, 50 minutes. And we're giving away a prize, so stick around for details on how you can enter that. Without further ado, let's go and meet Garth Coyle. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased to have with me all the way from Idaho, Garth Coyle from Event Espresso. Hey, Garth, how you doing? Doing very well. Nice to be with you, Troy. Thanks Excellent. for having me. Hey, thanks for taking some time to be on the podcast with us. Um, we met at Pressnomics a couple of years ago, and I think we even had lunch together uh, one day at the at the brewery there in um, Tempe, Arizona. It was Tempe, wasn't it? Was it Tempe or Chandler where we met? Yeah, I think it was Chandler. They moved it, it down a little bit south a little bit. That's Maybe right. Later. It was Pressnomics one. It was the first one. That's right. We were uh, we were we were having lunch at the at the brewery in um, Chandler, and which is a bad idea for an Australian. You don't take an Australian to a brewery for lunch, you know, because <laughs> I don't remember anything for what happened after lunch at Pressnomics. No, I do. I'm kidding. Um, anyway, so yeah. it's taken it almost time, taken me two years to get you on the podcast. So thank you very much for uh, for uh, finally getting here. Before we get stuck into the interview, we have a very, very special prize this week on the podcast. Garth has very kindly donated a uh, Event Espresso for Everything license, as it's called, valued at over $600, which includes the EE4 core plugin, 12 months of support and upgrades, plus a whole bunch of add-ons. It's just ridiculous. Um, all the details will be in the show notes. Stick around for details on how you can enter the competition to win that amazing prize. All right, before we start geeking off about all things WordPress and entrepreneurial-ish stuff, Garth, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? That's a really good question. Um, kind of a funny story. When I was a teenager, I had a, a church leader who had the boys in our group write down on a piece of paper. We were at about you know, 15 or 16 at the time. They said, 
write down what you think you you want to be or what you want to do when when you you know grow up. <laughs> and he said, you know, keep keep this piece of paper until you turn 23, and then let's let's look at it again. And uh, he wanted you to you know think about uh, why you had you know achieved what you had thought you would achieve or why you hadn't. And so um, I was I was raised in on a cattle ranch in Idaho, and I was certainly influenced by my community. So I thought I'd you know be a farmer or a rancher or a policeman or some sort of you know, businessman that had to do with farming and agriculture, but uh, you know, I, I couldn't turn out. You know, I couldn't predict how my life was going to turn out. You know, so at twenty three, it was kind of uh, fun to look <laughs> back and say, "Well, <laughs> no, that's that's a fun little list." But <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, it, it's drastically different than what it was. So, so when at what point did you discover the internet and and make a decision that this was going to be somewhere where you were going to spend a little bit of time and try and build a business? Well, I think I could, you know, take you back a little bit further. And I can remember when I discovered HTML. That was like, you know, 15, 15 years ago or something like that when I discovered HTML. And I was like, hey, this is pretty neat. You know, you can code this up and this is what it does. And um, at the time, I was doing technical support for a, a SaaS company. And, uh, you know, it was applicable to my job. So I kind of enjoyed learning HTML and it was kind of fun. Um, but... I certainly didn't have sights on making it a career at that point. Uh, it was more of a hobby, something I enjoyed doing, but it, it certainly wasn't, you know, sometimes in a career for it. At the time, I was uh, at doing an undergraduate degree um, at Brigham Young University, and so it wasn't really on my sights, but it, it certainly enhanced some of the skills I was, I would need eventually. Or, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't like, hey, I want to do this for for a living, really. <laughs> Do do you remember like at w when did you kind of think when did you kind of think that you were going to double down on your learning and and learn this stuff and actually make a career out of it? Was that a conscious thing, or did you just kind of wake up one day and go, "Wow, look at that! I've built a career on the internet that just happened by accident." You know, my my path was a little bit different um, in that um, when I started working with my partner Seth, he. Um, he had been doing this for, um, I don't know, a year or a few months, and he wanted me to be involved more and more. And I kept telling him no because it was – at the time, I was in graduate school pursuing two additional master degrees, and <laughs> it just wasn't really on my radar. I already had a full-time job. I was in school full-time, um, you know, starting a family, and so it really wasn't something I was looking to change. Um, and by the time I decided to make this a career, we had hired, I don't know, eight full-time people before I even said, you know, I think I'm going to change, you know, what I'm doing and I'm going to focus on this. So I was able to build our company to that with the help of everyone else, you know, to you know, eight or 10 people. By the time I officially joined, I was uh, pursuing my education and my postgraduate opportunities. Um, and so it wasn't until 2012 when I finally made that decision. So it hasn't even been three years. Wow. So you were kind of like a silent partner or like a part-time partner in, in the business before you decided to jump in boots and all? Wow. Yeah, I, I told Seth that I, I would, I'd be happy to be in, involved, but I've got these other things going. I mean, I've spent you know a lot of money on my education and pursuing those opportunities. I had some really high-profile opportunities, 
And so I needed to pursue them, you know, for my own benefit to say, is this something I want to do or mm. do I want to do this other thing? Um, it was not a quick and easy decision and it wasn't forced upon me either. I had a lot of options, but I felt at the end of the day that I wanted to risk everything on myself rather than trying to risk it on a corporate corporate job somewhere else. And I tell I tell everybody that I wouldn't be where I am today without God and the people who did not believe in me. Because I've always felt felt that I was capable and I could achieve much more and we've shown we could do that. And that's what everybody should realize is that you can you can achieve achieve more than probably what people think you can. Mm. Um, it's really interesting you say that. I I got a bunch of friends who you know work full time jobs and do really well and earn good money and have you know what a lot of people would think is stability and security and they are quite often saying to me you know I I you know how do you I I need the job security like I couldn't work for myself because you know I need the security of working for someone else and it's really funny because the way I look at it like I would rather put my financial future in my hands than someone else's hands. So I always have this conversation with them that it's like, yeah, why would you trust someone else to get it right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you'll never be frustrated with your job position, your title or salary when it's yourself, right? You've, yeah. you've got almost no one else to blame and, and also all the opportunity. And, uh, you know, if, if you have the stomach for it, you know, being an entrepreneur and self-employed is um, it's a re rewarding way to go, but it's also a lot of work. What do you, What do you mean by when you say when if you have the stomach for it? You know, uh, it's a it's a wild ride being an entrepreneur. I mean, you watch uh, your customers have good and bad experiences. You see revenue come up and down. You see staff come and go and um, you know, you have those worries all the time. They never leave. Um, you know, some in the United States, people feel, or doctors always feel bad for being on call, like they have the regular hours that they work, but then every couple of weeks, they've got to take extra time. I tell them, I don't have any, um, you know, I don't give doctors any slack because being self-employed and working from home, you're always at work. You always have those problems. And it's it's always a challenge so you've got to be able to you know find ways to cope with the stress and work with good people that are going to help you um you know try to manage the load that's that's on your shoulders you don't understand it until you start going through with it and but at the same time you can't let the idea that this is going to be so hard stop you from doing it you know you need to take one day at a time and worry about what problems will come up when they come up. You don't have to worry about all the problems that are going to come up now. Mm. That's that's self defeating. You can't stop right at the time. You know before it starts. How do you? Uh, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit here, but um, how do you balance what you're talking about there in terms of always being on, always being, you know, thinking about your business and and you know having to be pretty much on call all the time. How do you balance that with having a young family. And this is something I've spoken to a lot of people on the podcast about. How do you find that balance? How do you, how do you, how do you stop yourself from just burning out? Well, I wouldn't say I'm really good at it, but what I've found recently is I've found a hobby that is good for me. And 
I can let that hobby take me away for a period of time every day or a few hours a week and it recharges my batteries. It helps me understand that I have other other passions in life that um, that I can enjoy without worrying about work. And it gives me a few hours to say, look, work can go for a few hours or a few days and it's not going to come tumbling down necessarily. So I found that having a distracting hobby, a healthy distracting hobby has, has been uh, probably a real good thing. And my, my wife is great in trying to support me and help me calm down from time to time and say, look, it's going to be okay. We'll worry about it tomorrow. Having a good partner is an understanding, supportive partner is crucial to success, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's just, it's still really difficult. So any, any of the help you can get is, is worth it. Yeah. What's the, what's the hobby if you don't, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, I know I've, I started cycling, road cycling. So uh. I, uh, I like to get on the, we, we, we live by quite a few mountains. And so, you know, I rode my bike for a couple of hours today to get some exercise in and I, you know, the, the endorphins, the energy you feel after exercise is empowering and it's liberating. Um, but it also makes me disconnect. You know, I can't text or email when I'm riding the bike, you know, on the roads. Mm. So, uh, I found that it's been, you know, it's been really good for my energy and my balance. Nice. Uh, tell me the story about where you were the day that the, the first time you saw the WordPress dashboard. Well, I think it was at, I was at home. I, uh, I was trying to start a project um, for uh, advertising professionals, ad designers who, were going, who could submit their advertisements to a network and have people comment to provide feedback um, on these advertisements and try to you know, help everybody learn from it. And that was kind of a hobby that I was getting in. So I think at the time I was perusing a lot of different technologies to try to find out, find something that would work for me. Um, that was uh, back in 2008 or earlier before WordPress had custom post types. And so it's not feas- it would it wasn't feasible to necessarily use WordPress for my application at the time. It's certainly further along and you could probably do it for that. Um, but that's, that's the first time I saw it. And were you instantly hooked or was it something that, what, like, were you trying other systems at the time, like the Drupals and the Joomla's or did you kind of discover WordPress and say, no, this is it. This is what, this is what I'm going to use. Yeah, I think I was, I was mostly hooked on it because I thought this is simple, but at the same time it has a lot of potential and it's not so complicated that you just get lost. Um, I know WordPress doesn't have the greatest interface, but at the same time, they break it up into pages so that you're focusing on doing one or two few things at a time. And so when I saw how easy it was, I was able to take it um, and understand what it could be used for. I think I have a good vision in understanding how applications can be used or abused in certain ways to try to you know, conform to what your uses might be. So I, I mean, when I started understanding what I could do with WordPress, it was, it was definitely on the top of my list to say, this is what we should be using in a lot of applications for, or for a lot of different uses. How do you describe what you do in one sentence these days when you meet people for the first time? What's your elevator pitch, so to speak? Well, I see it as kind of two things. I mean, my, my role, what I see as my role is 
I would say that I work on systems that produce value to our customers and our shareholders. Um, there's a quote that I, I loved. Um, I th- not sure, I think the author's unknown, but it says that management works within a system and leadership works on the system. Hmm. And in, in my role with my background in training, I'm, I'm constantly going back to what is the system? What are we trying to do here and how do we improve the system? You know, I rarely fault individual staff members for things that go wrong, whereas I usually come back to, you know, why did this happen and what do we need to change? How can we stop that from happening? Or what went well? Can we do that again? And we're always making changes to our to our system that produces value. It's and it's bigger and better than one person, uh, so that we're all we're not completely dependent upon one person. Hopefully, and so I mean, our elevator pitch is that we. You know, Event Express was a top-of-the-line registration and ticketing management plugin for WordPress, and uh, we deliver value to our customers and our shareholders by um, giving our customers autonomy and value themselves. So we try to provide our customers with more control and autonomy than they would have otherwise, and we think that that's a core value that they can get by both using WordPress and our, our plugin and support. Nice. I like it. It's very detailed and very well thought through and doesn't really mention, you mention a lot about values and what you deliver to your customer, but you're not actually talking about the product or the features. You're talking more about, you're not even really, I mean, it's kind of the benefits of what you're talking about, but you're talking about benefits on a larger scale rather than saying, well, we allow people to set up their own events on WordPress. You're talking about giving customers value and control through the systems that we provide. This is, um, I, should, I should let people know here, you have done an MBA uh, and a Masters of Healthcare Administration at the University of Utah. I'm curious, did you learn kind of this stuff going through the MBA? Did you learn like how to think a little bit bigger than the average Joe? Yeah, my, my formal training really exposed me to thinking at a higher level and managing at a higher level rather than focusing on fires and specifics. We have to think about how does this work? What are we delivering? Uh, what do our customers really want? Right? When they, when they install WordPress, they don't want to publish a post necessarily. They, they want to communicate. They want to build a brand. They want to attract customers, right? They, they generally could care less about what the actual technology is. And I understand that. And I'm not going to be egotistical and, and pound our brand saying, you know, we do everything for everybody, but we understand that our customers really want a solution that helps them better their lives and improve their business rather than we have, we have these certain features. But we understand that people think of that and say, you know, I or customers solve problems with certain features in some ways. And so when you communicate and market, um, you want to communicate the, what you actually deliver and the problems that you solve, but you can also c- explain the features and how that's actually done. Nice. So yeah, my, my background has been really influential in, in how our organization functions. What's the one thing that keeps you awake at night besides the, uh, besides the young family? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the kids are certainly number number one. Uh, you know, for the most part, it's you know our 
are our customers being taken care of in a timely and appropriate fashion? That's usually my number one concern is are there customers waiting for help or do we have the right answers for people? Um, the other things would be, you know, are we working on the right tasks and projects and projects? Are we getting them released? And then uh, certainly, you know, generating enough revenue to uh, sustain and grow the business. And um, it's kind of a dovetail to this question. If there was one thing, if you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing in the business right now, what would that be? Um, you know, we have gone through a major system refactor with our product, and uh, we haven't had as much time as others take to, you know, tout our own horn, like, you know, tell our story and make us look good. So if I had a magic wand, I think it would be to um, have the WordPress development community uh, instantly comprehend the value and the real technical benefits that are available to the new product that we've built. Um, our, our development team has done an amazing job and we're the, we've been some of the first to tackle some of the hard technical issues with building a plugin uh, for the scope of customers that we uh, we serve and the applications that we use it for, and I think if the development community took a look at it, they'd be they'd be amazed. So, you know, I, I think that's my dream, but it's really my responsibility to make sure that what we that we do what's necessary to tell our story and make sure people understand that. But yeah, if I had a magic wand, it'd be like, you know, this is what I want you to understand. <laughs> Excellent. Well, let's, I'll tell you what, let's dig in a little more because a lot of people watching this or listening to this podcast won't know what Event Espresso is other than the fact that the name kind of gives it away. I do need to ask, why Espresso? Are you guys just mad coffee lovers? <laughs> Actually, I, I don't drink coffee myself, but <laughs> um, uh, Seth, Seth originally came up with the name. Um, he he had I mean when he eventually wanted to start selling the plugin as a premium plugin he realized well I've got to come up with a name for it. it the the plugin had been had a few iterations before then and he didn't have any really good names for them and so he had to come up with a name and had to come up with a domain name uh, etc and so he had a hard time trying to figure it out but he knew it wanted to be event related because that's kind of our industry and category but and then he saw a calendar on the wall one of his coffee counters on the wall and you know he saw the word espresso or a picture of an espresso cup or something he's like oh yeah event espresso and you know it's it's pretty neat because it it uh, has a lot of meaning to it I mean you could we've had we've had customers say we're just we're uh, you know over caffeinated an over caffeinated plug-in <laughs> and you know we run on coffee and you know we've done there's all sorts of things we can go off of that. But so it's, it's been a good name for us. Awesome. So for those that don't know, uh, I'm going to try and explain um, uh, Event Espresso is a, uh, an event registration and management plugin, essentially. Why would someone use, for the uninitiated, why would someone use Event Espresso rather than using something like Eventbrite, which is a, a hosted SaaS solution that allows you to run and ticket your own events and they process all the payments and all that kind of stuff. We've used Eventbrite a lot in the past. Why would someone use Event Espresso as opposed to a solution like Eventbrite? Yeah, so you'd want to use our plugin when you wanted to have 
more control, uh, more profitability, uh, more um, more uh, security. For for instance, so with our plugin, you you have more control. You have you can decide what you want to do with it. It's GPL, so certainly you can modify files and extend it. Um, you if you're using our plugin, that means you own the data that you're processing on your own website. So no one else, a third party, doesn't have access to that. Um, and plus, it's it integrates right within integrates with your WordPress website, so that you don't have a disconnect when people are registering. Uh, you don't introduce them to another brand or another service in the middle of uh, them registering for an event. Um, it's also just much more affordable than some of the long-term fees that you accrue by using a third-party service. Nice, uh, good answer. Um, so you've so you've just let's just let's take a step back for a second. You've been with Event Espresso kind of full-time on on the on the deck since about two thousand and twelve. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And here we are. Yeah. In two, here we are in 2015. You've gone through a complete uh, refactoring of the plugin. How, I want to talk a little bit about. Um, it's kind of a little bit off script, but I want to talk a little bit about building the team that you guys have built. Because with any sort of premium plugin, support is an issue. Customer satisfaction is an issue. My question is, how do you know when to? How do you know when to hire? And how do you know who? How do you know that, like what the seat is that you need to fill? Like when do you say, okay, we need to hire someone and we need to hire this kind of person? How do you make those? How do you get to that point? What are the what are the signals that say we need to hire a support lead or we need to hire a customer service manager or we need to hire a developer or we need to hire a UX designer? Well. Um well, the first part of it is just that you you feel the pain, and you feel like you need to resolve that pain in, in your company. So you might have, like, when it comes to providing support, you might have a backlog of customers that you feel that you need to attend to. Um, some developers don't particularly care; they they let the customers kind of fend for themselves. <laughs> but um, you will figure out what you need when it becomes becomes painful enough. Um, so support, you know, you've got that backlog. If you've got UI, UX issues, you're gonna, people are gonna be giving you lots of comments about it. Do, it's not easy to use, or I can't find this or that in the in the product. Uh, for developer, for the development, you could uh, you could figure out that hey, we uh, we're generating enough revenue where we could hire another developer, and we think that if we hire a developer, we'll be able to do this, that, and you know, achieve some of our goals. Um, and increase the customer satisfaction uh, because we have the features that people are looking for or that we hear time and time again that they're, that our product is missing. So it's really about listening to the pain that your communi- customers communicate or that you're experiencing yourself and for trying to figure out how do we, can we afford to alleviate that pain and then how do we do it. And what's the, what's the, um, the, the typical hiring process? Like, how do you find good people to fill those seats? Um, you know, we've only posted official job postings uh, twice, once or twice, maybe. For the most part, um, 
our the staff that we work with have either found us or we've found them by doing business together um, for the most part. So one of the first developers that we hired, he was um, he was a customer and he was building sites for people who use our product. And uh, we could see that he was trying to do some great things with our plugin, you know, outside of our development process. And we uh, tried to grow that relationship um, and eventually brought him on. We uh, also... Uh, we had somebody cold email email us, and we looked at their credentials, and we thought, "Hey, this is a this is this could be a really good fit." Um, and he seems to have great credentials, good experience. Um, can we make a place for him? Um, we know we want more development help, but you know, can we make a place for him? So that's how it's worked. Another guy uh, worked. He was the one building our website, and so he was building some of the systems we needed to administer you know, supporting thousands and tens of thousands of customers. Um, some of the support staff, um, we had, we had met or we, we had jobs posted or they were customers of ours again. So, um, they've come to us a variety of ways. We haven't had to put a lot of effort into hiring people because we really want to keep people on board, keep them happy, try to keep their stress, stress levels as low as we can so that they enjoy their work and they enjoy working together. And we've been fortunate to have very little turnover. And you guys, like a lot of uh, companies in the WordPress space, are a distributed workforce. How do you manage communications with uh, a remote team on different sides of the country and also throughout Europe in different time zones? Um, we have, um, you know, we use uh, blogs uh, primarily with like the P2 theme to manage conversations that can be somewhat persistent. We have a, we use um, HipChat to communicate, mm. uh, you know, during, during the week and we have different channels that, you know, to talk about things. Mm -hmm. We don't really use email anymore. <laughs> um, and then we have a, a, a ticketing system where we create tickets and communicate technically uh, about those those tickets. So we've got a variety of ways that we communicate, but uh, we do try to be as accommodating as, as we can because yeah, we've got everybody from uh, the Ukraine to the west coast of the United States. So we vary ten or eleven hours throughout the day. Yeah, How do you, I'm always fascinated with. Um plugins that have a lot of features. I've spoken to a lot of plugin companies about this on the podcast. How do you know, and I know you touched on this before about the pain, but how do you know out of all the features that you want to either include, add, or improve in the plugin, how do you know what to work on next? Um, it, uh, it depends on a lot of things, really. You've got to you've got to be able to take a lot of factors in your mind and try to distill them down and say, how do we, is this something we really need to do now or later or ever? And we decided based upon the feedback we get from our customers, that's one. Uh, number, number two would be our strategic goals. Like, do we need to do this for the longevity of the, of the company and the customers? And then number three would, would probably be how quickly can we get this done? Is this something that needs to be done 
uh, as quickly as we can or can, can it wait? Is it, is it something that needs to be done at all and uh, can we do it quickly? So we sometimes we'll have a meeting, we'll actually list the features out and we'll give them scores and say, you know, one to five, uh, do we, everybody in the meeting, list it out and say, is this really important to do? Is it easy to do? Uh, how quickly can we do it? And we get some factors and we say, yep, this, you know, there's clear two or three up at the top that we need to work in. And then we just table most of the other ones. And then we don't need to worry about them. If we, if we have a, a top tier that we need to work on, we, we do that. And then later on, we reassess it and say, what are the next ones that we need to, to focus on? Do you think there's any way of measuring the effectiveness of a new feature? Like, do you measure it by the kind of support tickets that it's reduced because now you've updated something that makes it easier for people to understand how it works? Or do you measure it and say, okay, well, we've added this new feature and we've had a bump in sales. Do you pay attention to those or do you just kind of go on a collective gut feel of everyone in the company and the sort of anecdotal feedback that you're getting from customers? Well, the challenge with a distributed product is that you have a real hard time collecting data mm. because if you put a plugin in the WordPress.org repository, you're not allowed to send calls home. You know, you're not right, allowed to ping your server for this, that, and the other information. So uh, you're really limited on, on that. And that's, a dis that's too bad for the WordPress uh, ecosystem is that we have very few systems in order to collect data. So it's, it's, it's more difficult. Um, so we, right now we, uh, we have surveys that we, we frequently survey our users and we collect the feature requests that they have and then we score them and rank them and then we, that's kind of our baseline. But as far as their effectiveness, um, yeah, we watch sales, we watch the, um, support load, some of the attribution that goes into each of those features and we try to determine, hey, is this something that we need to, is, is doing well or not? And then we, you know, look to improve it. But we don't have any really hard metrics um, because we feel like we're. It's generally that feature is somewhat done. We're going to move on to the next as quickly as we can. There is there is there's a um oh, there's a couple that you might know them. There's a I can't think off the top of my head. My mind's gone blank. There are a couple of services which allow you to get your uh, plugin users to opt in and allow tracking. I know um, uh, Yoast. SEO does this and you actually there's actually a tool that you can use that um, collates all the data about what other plugins and what themes and what versions of WordPress your users are using. You don't you can't remember what those are called off the top of your head? Um well there was one uh, called Press trends. Yeah, that's time. it. Yeah, that's the one. Is that is that still around? There you go. Presstrends.io. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's run by a guy named George Ortiz. Um, you know, I think he gave you a little bit of valuable information, but for the most part, I I'm not sure what he's really doing with it. I knew I know he moved to San Francisco to try to get some other things off the ground. Uh -huh. I don't know if that's that's worked because he's moved moved down to San Francisco. Um, we've never subscribed to that because we have a feedback system built into our plugin that people opt in or opt out of gotcha. uh, to provide us some of that some of that data so that we can make some decisions. And 
if we need some data for a particular purpose, then we add those queries to the to the plugin to try to give us some data uh, to try to help us make a decision. You know, what are the plugins they have, or what themes they're using, or uh, you know, are they using a certain feature? Is it turn on or turn off, or how many of those? Say, how many events are they are they uh, running, or how many tickets are sale? That type of data. Um, so that we use, we have our own system for doing that uh, as necessary. And um, you guys have got there's a there's a uh, you've got a free version of your plugin in the. I'm going to just talk a little bit about customer acquisition and marketing here. You've got um, decaf is the the free version in the WordPress plugin repository. Is that right? Yeah, so, yeah. So, I mean, we just went with the. Espresso theme and called it decaf nice. light. I like yeah. it. So, is there an is there a um, uh, is there a natural kind of upgrade path from the free plugin to the premium plugin, or do you put all of your marketing efforts into just selling the premium plugin, or do you put your marketing efforts into the freemium model where you promote the free plugin and then get people to upgrade to the to the paid plugin? You know, we spend most of our time marketing our our uh, better product, our more fully featured product. Um, I I think we've sent out one email or one blog post about the decaf version. So we have far more customers acquired uh, elsewhere than through than through the plugin. Um, it's it it is a a decent channel. Uh, for us, and I think we convert on those probably just as well as anyone else. But we're always working on that. Um, but for the most part, it's primarily our own efforts, uh, setting up good relationships and uh, other acquisition channels, primarily for the for the uh, upgraded version. We just feel like it's a better experience, and people primarily who are running uh, events professionally are going to want that product anyway. Mm. So I'm curious because you're kind of you're kind of in the B2B space. What is the? I mean, without you know, without giving away your trade secrets, of course. Um, what 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 is the customer acquisition model look like for you guys? Is it going and exhibiting at trade fairs where there's lots of B two B style customers? Is it just content marketing and blogging? How what what are you doing to to reach out and to uh, get your product in front of the potential buyer? Uh, we have multifacets in what we do, uh, but you have to understand that currently, or with Event Espresso, you know you can only serve the WordPress market, kind of the WordPress niche. Mm. Um, and although that's a large audience, it's not uh, in our in our segment. It's I'm sure that the uh, percentage of people who are using WordPress is lower than the overall you know, 20 some percent, right? So I, we don't exhibit at trade shows yet because if you're going to, you're going to find that it's very wasteful for your resources because very few of your customers are going to be able to use your platform because they're not on WordPress first. However, we do have people who say, I want to use your product. We're going to change our website. So to WordPress so that we can use your product. I mean, we got an email about it today and that's pretty common. So we can do our part to try to bring people onto WordPress and use our product, um, but we're, uh, uh, you know, we we do a lot of content marketing, and next to that is 
onboarding is trying to trying to build relationship with these people over time to say, uh, you know, you may not be interested now, but we'll, you know, you may be in the future. And we even find, you know, at one time I was worried about people, you know, grabbing our plug in, throwing it on a uh, freeware site, and you know, just you know, dropping our business because it's online. But what I've, what we found is that when customers really get serious about their business and events, they find us. They could go to other plugins that just do calendaring or something that just does forms or something that just does, you know, you name it. But when they really get serious about running their events, that's when they come to us. And that's what we want to be there for. And we found that, hey, if somebody wants to download a plugin and throw it up for everybody to share, that's fine because their business is eventually going to rely on us and we need to be here for them. And then that's when we will cater to them, uh, not when not because of the pressure of some other plugin or something or because somebody threw it up online. Gotcha. Um, let's talk about EventSmart for a minute. You've, um, so EventSmart is, from what I understand, is a hosted kind of version of what you're doing with Event Espresso. Is this, is this like a SaaS app built on WordPress? Yeah, that's exactly it. So we've taken... Um, uh, our refactored plugin, we we refactored it for this sole purpose, is to be able to make it more modular, uh, more scalable, uh, more stable, and and uh, be able to build more features on it. And we built it for this purpose so that we could leverage it in this in this way. So uh, EventSmart is essentially WordPress, multi-site, and Event Espresso for. And then with a lot of control into make, trying to build it a good, make it a good user experience. So it goes back to what we talked about before. Well, now, now how do you how do you market it? How do you get it going? Well, we've taken ourselves from inside the WordPress, twenty two percent of the web to, you know, potentially a hundred percent of the web. So we have an eighty percent larger market uh, than we did before, and we think that we're event smart is significantly different than the other players in the market it being built upon wordpress some of the community benefits that could come along with that plus again getting back to that autonomy event smart you could take your account on event smart eventually you know move to a self-hosted version of wordpress and event espresso and scale your business really big mm. um, and you're running everything on your own service you own your data and you can do anything you want and so we we foresee being able to, you know, go to a sporting venue and say, "Look, we know you've used ticketing platforms before. We're going to give you the ability to, to run it yourself, and you know, watch the the profits increase because you're in more control and you've got more profit." Mm. And and financially, I'm just looking at the plans. Financially, it kind of makes sense. I mean, if you're running regular events, it is a monthly plan. So if you're running regular events and selling any kind of kind of quantity of tickets, it's going to make sense to have like a $50 or $100 a month plan rather than paying per ticket to something to someone like Eventbrite. If you're just running ad hoc events, maybe one or two events a year, it might still make sense to use something like an Eventbrite or to set up Event Espresso on your own, uh, on your own install. Um, do you guys do any kind of custom um, installs or development work for enterprise clients who say, hey, we love you know what you've got here, but we're going to need you to come in and actually help us set it up and train us how to use it? Um, well, I want to take just a step back to clarify EventSmart just real quick, and then I'll answer that question. Sure. Um, the advantage of what we've done with EventSmart is that you can you can run 
paid events on our platform for free. So you yeah. could sell a million tickets. You could host a million events and you could do it for free. It's just the only limitation is that there's some features that would give an added experience, added convenience for you or your, your audience. Um, so they could be free. And plus, if there are certain features you do want, you could subscribe to just those features for as little as you know $3 a month. So it's extremely affordable for even the small businesses. And it's still more affordable than an Eventbrite or really any of the other players in the market because it's so – we took the same principles we have in Event Espresso, which is like autonomy, value, and control. And we try to make those av available in event, event Smart as well. And so that kind of drives us. So I just wanted to clarify yeah, that. Good, so it's, good, it's good really catch. affordable. Good catch. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't make that clear. Um, yeah, no, that's fine. It's, it's relatively new, so we're trying to you know, communicate that. Um, but we 99% we we, of our time, we primarily do product development. We don't really do customization and agency services. If we do, it's primarily limited to our application. So we will take on uh, customers who say want this feature now and we'll you know build we'll scope out the project to give them a bid and timeline and say this is when we're going to do it and that happens. Um, and so we only do development generally on a uh, when it relates to our product. That's really who we are. We're not set up as a development agency and I I think that would distract us from what we're doing. We have other people who, other agencies who do a, good, a great job at that and I think we should let them do that and we can we can stay true to who we are and what we're doing and stay focused. I think that will deliver the most value for our customers and give us the best chance over time. Mm. Nice. Um, all right, we should segue into the uh, lightning round here, the WP Elevation lightning round. For those that don't know, WP Elevation is a business accelerator program to help you run a better WordPress business. So if you don't know what it's about, come to WPElevation.com and check it out. So in this lightning round, I'm going to ask Garth a series of quick questions about freelancing and consulting, and hopefully Garth's going to give us some quick mind-blowing answers off the top of his head. <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. What's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? <laughs> Um, I think you need to do as much as do as much yourself as possible in the beginning, and then when you can't do it yourself, then take the time to find the right people to help you. Nice, I like it. What's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? Um, I think it would just be content marketing. In the early days of Event Espresso, we were growing at like 15% per month because of the content we offered on our website and through WordPress.org and then, and then nurturing those customers over time. Wow, that's a really interesting uh, metric. And um, yeah, I, I heard um, a stat recently from Y Combinator that they look for 7% growth per week is pretty much all they look for in uh, – in startups, they don't even look for revenue. They just look for seven percent per week growth of users. <laughs> like, who needs revenue, hey? Uh, um, so that's really interesting stat. Fifteen percent growth per month when you guys were early on. That's a that's a really interesting a really interesting metric to know. How do you stop competing on price? And I think this is a really interesting question, even from a plugin point of view, because you guys are not the cheapest events plugin around you're, you're premium high end so how do you how do you how do you resist the urge to compete on price 
Um, I mean, everybody has to compete on price eventually. Um, but in order to compete less often on price, I think you have to really understand your value pr proposition, what you deliver to the customer and how you deliver. You have to understand what your product or service does and where it fits in the market. market. Then you have to leverage those differentiating factors and then you have to communicate them well. Then the customers will understand how they need you more than they need your competitor and price will be less of an influence. You make it sound so simple, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. <clears throat> Any tips on writing better proposals? Uh, um, I think that just takes talking to customers. The more you talk to your customers, you understand what's important to them. You may have everything your customer needs, but you need to communicate it a little bit differently. Or you may identify a critical gap that you need to address. So talk to your customers and get better. Just get better at it. Take more practice. Get more practice. Nice. Do you have a favorite tool or system for CRM? You know, we use P2, which is, you know, WordPress. We use that a lot. Um, after that, I, you know, we, I take a lot of screenshots, so I like Snagit because it's an easy way to take um, screenshots and video. It's just an easy way to communicate. Say, so this is what I see, uh, you know, whether you're talking to developers or customers, this is what you're, this is what you're looking for. Nice. I like it. Uh, what's the best way to keep a project and a client on track? Um, I think certainly it's the best way to do that is to plan ahead because pl I, I know that planning is expensive, but it can also help you be more profitable and meet expectations down the road. Then you just need to follow the project outline as closely as possible. It's, you know, the due diligence up front is really invaluable. Yep, I agree. Absolutely. Any ideas for getting referrals from existing customers? That's certainly somewhere we need to do do better, but we found that you know trying to make customers happy then then at the time that you know they're having a good experience asking them for referrals or to share your product and their story uh, in their networks has been beneficial. So we use tools that uh, people can gauge their you know their satisfaction with us, and we say, hey, these, this person's having a great experience. Let's send them a message and ask them to to share. Nice one. How do, you, how do you measure that? What, what's, what's some of the tools that you use to gauge their satisfaction? Is that like a help scout thing? or? Um, yeah, we use, we use help scout. We also have surveys, um, mm. you know, literally watching the conversations that you have with people uh, during support on the forums and email and uh, just, you know, instilling in your business processes, we try to invite people to share. Nice. And uh, final question in the elevation round, what's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself? Well, I think that differentiating yourself is, is an ongoing task. I mean, you got to focus on your niche and do it well. You know, we don't want to be like every other event plugin out there. We don't want to be just a calendar or a company who builds a patchwork of plugins together and hacks it together uh, to try to provide. Oh, yeah, you can you can do this, but it'll take you several plugins. It'll take you you know 
you go here, buy this, and get that help. You know, we want to be the leading provider for ticketing and registration. And that can only come as we focus on a complete product for our niche. Um, you know, we're growing our product and code base very rapidly because we're focusing on what we do, not what people necessarily want us to do all the time. You know, we'll get to features eventually, but, uh, you know, we've got to fo just focus on what we do. Yeah. Focus is, is such a key word, isn't it? It's, um, you know, I know that the, one of the biggest uh, movers, one of the biggest things that made the needle move in my uh, career and in my business was just saying no to all the distractions and just focusing on what we'd agreed that our objective was. And uh, that's uh, something that's very hard for entrepreneurs to keep in mind. So there you go. There's a lesson in that for all of us. Hey, we should announce, thank you very much for helping us through the elevation round. We should announce the competition Garth, uh, as I mentioned, is giving away about $600,000 worth of plug-in. I'm kidding. $600 worth of uh, event espresso for everything license, which includes a whole bunch of add-ons uh, plus the, the core plug-in with 12 months of support and upgrades. So in order to enter this competition, leave us a comment underneath this video and tell us the number one frustration that you have had or that your customers have had if you're building websites for clients with when it comes to event registration and ticketing uh, or if you are a user of event espresso leave a comment under this video with some feedback for garth as to maybe how they can improve it um, or some of your observations and i'll get garth to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the prize all right, hey Garth, what is the future for Event Espresso? Where do you see this uh, this journey? Where, where does this where does this journey go in the next twelve months? Where do you think you're going to be in twelve months' time? Uh, twelve months' time, you know, I think we'll um, we're going to plow ahead, releasing uh, new code and and features for the WordPress market. But uh, it's time for us to. Uh, change our focus to internally and say we've got this to do and this to do and this to do. We got to do this as quickly as possible. To let's share our story and let's let's bring people in who can be excited about the product we're building. And on top of that is Event Smart. Um, you know we've got ambitious goals for building Event Smart. You know I'd I'd like to see our our company Event Smart reach a hundred million dollars in revenue uh, before I'm done with it. And uh, I think that the, there's potential to do that. So, you know, we've got a lot of work to do. You know, we won't reach 100 million for EventSmart this year, but you know, that's that's what we're setting our sights. Um, and that's really going to help the WordPress community itself. And you know, we've had conversations about if EventSmart can can fund the Event Espresso, then maybe EventSmart just becomes OpenGPL like WordPress.com and WordPress.org. You know, we'd be we'd be happy to see that happen. Uh, you know, that, that would be a good day. Wow. Uh, I must say that is the most ambitious goal I've ever heard anyone say on this here particular podcast, $100 million in revenue. I take my hat off to you for being so ambitious and having such <laughs> big, hairy, ambitious goals, man. It's um, those kind of goals that get you out of bed every morning and keep the fire in the belly burning. So uh, <laughs> good, on, good on you for not thinking small, man. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yeah, we're well. That's 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 the point of why we built EventSmart because we feel like we can what we're doing can really make a, a big difference, not only in the WordPress community but entirely. And I think I think we're going to change some of the event industry over time. Awesome. Hey, where can people reach out and say thanks uh, for this interview?
Um, Garth at eventespresso.com or uh, Twitter at Garth Coyle, G-A-R-T-H-K-O-Y-L-E. Awesome. Well, uh, everything uh, in the this episode, all the links and everything you need will be in the show notes at wpelevation.com slash Garth Coyle, G-A-R-T-H-K-O-Y-L-E. Um, I really appreciate you spending uh, over an hour with us here, uh, almost, sorry, 55 minutes on the WP Elevation podcast. So uh, again, really appreciate your time. Um, I wish you all the best for the future with Event Espresso. And finally, who would you like me to try and interview and why? Yeah, sure. So anyway, Troy, thanks for a, a great you know, interview and conversation. I had a great time when we met in, at Pressnomics, and I th- it looks like you're doing great things. And so keep up the good work. appreciate being able to talk with you again. Thank you, man. Um, you know, if I was to give you a goal, I, I think it would be great for the WordPress uh, community to, um, if you could interview Neil Patel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be awesome, right? Um, you know, there's there are some other names I can give you, but uh, I I think it would be. I mean, the WordPress market is kind of a niche for for him. Um, mm. I know that they they target. I mean, you know, twenty percent of the web. Mm. So uh, I think that would be really cool. Um, I can give you some other names, but uh, let's see what happens. Neil, <laughs> Neil Patel is on the list now. In fact, it's funny because. Um, Neil, Neil's, Neil's uh, one of the uh, owners of an agency in San Francisco called Single Grain who were actually doing all of our pay-per-click and social at one point last year. So I'm definitely going to reach out to the guys at Single Grain and get in contact with Neil again. So Neil Patel, keep your eyes on your inbox. I'm coming to get you for the WP Elevation podcast, courtesy of Garth Coyle at Event Espresso. And when I make that happen, I will send you the link, <laughs> Garth, and you can come and check the interview out. Awesome. Thanks for that, man. That's awesome. Thanks again for spending some time with us and uh, I wish you all the best for the future. That'd be awesome. Thanks, Troy. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the WP Elevation podcast as much as I did. I'm sure having fun shooting the intro and the outro here in front of the banners, not standing in front of the computer. So again, if you're just listening to this podcast and you haven't checked out the video, please come and check it out. Uh, Check out our new funky setup and leave us some feedback. Uh, Of course, subscribe to the podcast at wpelevation.com slash subscribe. Get on over to iTunes and leave us a review and a rating. It really does help us come up in the search results and it helps us reach a wider audience and it actually helps us help more WordPress consultants. Of course, this episode is brought to you by WP Migrate DB Pro uh, from Brad Townard and our good friends at deliciousbrains.com. They've been sponsoring the podcast for the last four weeks, so thank you very much to those guys. Go and check it out at deliciousbrains.com. And everything about this particular episode and all the show notes, all the links will be at wpelevation.com slash garthcoyle. That's G-A-R-T-H-K-O-Y-L-E. And as usual, no underscores, spaces, hyphens, or hieroglyphics, all lowercase or one word. Remember to leave your comment underneath this video and tell Garth the number one frustration you or your customers have got with event ticketing and registration. Or if you're a user of Events Espresso, uh, give him some feedback and tell him what you like or dislike about the plugin. And Garth will be back in a couple of weeks to go through the comments and award that prize of over $600 worth of Event Espresso plugin and extensions. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as we are. Next week on the podcast, episode number 72 is Ashen Powers, who is WordPress Community Manager at Cloudways. 
So make sure you stick around next week for that interview. Until then, I'm Troy Dean, go elevate.